Um, so I think the BBC are in trouble, personally. BBC's in trouble, okay. Um, if the BBC continue to produce dross, like Great Expectations, uh. as we've just watched, <laughs> I, I think they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, Happy Valley's finished, mm. and I kind of think of the question of what, what do they have left? What else do the BBC have to draw audiences in and and you know the BBC is funded differently you know it's not a private company so that might not matter to them but like surely they need to draw audiences in and I think if they continue to produce things such as great expectations um, I, I don't I don't see how they're going to be able to like actually draw audiences to watch their primetime TV because this was was not good <sighs> I mean, I don't know if they need to draw audiences in the same way that something that's released, you know, on, on uh, in the cinema or on a, a platform like Netflix does, because it's not competing quite as much. It's its own platform, if you know what I mean. Like it's it's played on TV. So if you're a TV watcher, yeah, you're gonna catch stuff like this, or I, you're gonna maybe choose to watch. You don't, you know. It's, I mean, it's are they making it obvious that they don't need to compete though? Because, like. I think the the kind of the record of shows the last few years is quite bad. I mean, yeah, well, um, Happy Valley, Happy yeah, but Happy Valley was good, and it, and it's maybe one of hundreds that have been released yeah, that yeah, yeah. you remember. Um, and I don't know. There's there there seems to be a, a theme that they keep trying to do these period dramas, um, and I'm mm. I'm not quite sure that they're working. I, Great Expectations for me was just so... It just wasn't good. I, I, I was bored. I was frustrated with the acting. Um, and I don't mind when you veer away from a story, which uh, they, actually they, they didn't too much. I mean, They did, a huge amount. Yeah. They're really not, yeah, no, they veer a lot. I mean, for, for someone that doesn't know the kind of original story... Um, of great expectations too much it's it's generally supposed to be about the moral and spiritual growth of the main character Pip coming being taken out of a um, a very poor life and being nurtured into a gentleman and, and as he sees that kind of way of life more and more he starts to look down on the poor side of his life and, and he has that internal battle of where he's from and the life that he is he's almost being granted by this Miss Havisham character. Mm-hmm. And well that that's the interpret that's the interpretation I get and, and from from that character specifically with Pip. And I think there's there's a good story in that. And I don't think Great Expectations kind of played mm-hmm. on that at all. And and, and 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 I think, you know, that's not what the whole story is about, but that's, a, that's definitely a very key element and um how did they not play on that? Because, because where was his moral battle between you know where was he looking down on 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 the life and that Joe's he used to live? Both in this in the TV series that we've just watched and the original story, uh, Pip is ashamed to be seen in public with Joe when Joe comes to visit him, because he's a remnant of his past life, yeah. a remnant of where where Pip himself is from, and he he feels like Joe's presence or his acquaintance with Joe brings his own social status or social standing down in the eyes of the London elite that he's 
mixing with at this point. And that's portrayed quite strongly, I think, in the um, in the TV series. Um, I think there's a lot of his, you know, his sister and Joe sort of looking down on the person that he's becoming. Mm. Um, because he does, you know, his morals are corrupted by London, yeah. by Jaggers. Um, so do you think that was something the TV series got right? Or did I mean, well? It was there, yeah. I, I wouldn't say like it wasn't uh, present. Um, I don't think... It, it doesn't have much effect because it didn't speak to a sort of greater purpose. Mm. Like that that aspect was there, I think. You saw the change in Pip. Um, that's, I mean, that's not that's not me praising it though at all. <laughs> that's, I'm just disagreeing with you. And and, and um, so there was a dis- there was a decision to change. Obviously, there was a decision to change the two child actors midway through the second episode. Yeah, which I I, I was kind of. I ended up being more on board with the younger child actors than the ones that played the rest of the TV show. So, with any... I mean, it's, it's like the nature of um, trying to dramatise a novel like um, Great Expectations that has huge temporal gaps or, like, you know, time jumps. Um, where you're going to have to recast the uh, the actors. Yeah. And the problem that, uh, that this series has, uh, has experienced is that the first actor that portrayed Pip was brilliant mm. he was really really good and actually generally like the whole atmosphere of those early episodes was really good yeah. um, and I think a lot of it was what came from how convincing the first the early um, Pip actor was <sighs> the second one yeah I mean I'm gonna have to like send for Fionn Whitehead here but um he did not live up to uh, the sort of, well he did not live up to Tom Sweet the earlier actor that portrayed Pip um, should have said the expectations yeah <laughs> yeah he didn't <laughs> yeah he did well he just, he just didn't fill his shoes um, Tom Sweet was so good mm. uh, so like captivating as that character and I think lent a lot to the sort of mood of, uh, of the of the whole show actually and then it switched to Fionn and Kind of fell apart. I think the I inter- felt the same about um, Got Estella. Yeah, Estella um, as well. To be fair, I think the innocence that Tom's sweet is able to display in Pip, the character, is actually is completely lost in the Fion. Yeah. Is, I, I mean, are you allowed to do that because it's what te- eight years on kind of thing? Well, I think what Tom Sweet got so. Perfect. Got so right. Like got, he did it so perfectly. It was like he was totally innocent, but also so confident. He was like a really self-assured. You you got the sort of the natural intelligence, um, like coming through. The do-gooder. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. He was more intelligent than his surroundings. He was kind of like uh, born into the wrong environment in a way. Like, and he he was excelling um, past his. You know his peers, his carers, all that kind of thing. He was like he's so self-confident and mm-hmm. able, but equally also innocent. Um, and Tom Sweet managed to portray both. Like he, he balanced those things really well. Um, the second portrayal of um, of Pep, Fion, he, he lost the confidence, mm. and he he became, I don't know, like kind of angry and 
just just not a balanced character at all. And and there's nothing mysterious in yeah. him about him anymore. Like not that not that Pip is supposed to be, but there was an element of that with Tom. And I, I wonder does the 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 reveal when he's standing at the gate. Do, Almost was that like a did that? I wonder if that took away from it because I I I at that scene was just like oh, the characters changed, and I don't know if that could have been done in a better way. Did that set a precedent for almost the rest of the experience with that character? I'm I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, I don't know if you thought very much about him just turning up at the gate as a different character. I don't know if you thought that was well done or the actual, not much about the actual it. reveal didn't. Uh didn't stand out to me too much um, but you know all of the scenes I basically just didn't thought those earlier episodes uh, with Tom Sweet were brilliant mm-hmm. and I was kind of excited to watch the rest of the series mm-hmm. uh, it's, it set itself up for, mm-hmm. you know set, set my expectations up um, and then the recasting was unfortunately mm-hmm. uh, it didn't um, didn't deliver yeah. strange as well like they also completely deviate from the, the plot of Great Expectations, um, Charles Dickens. Uh, there's a, there's more than one narrative jump. There's a few more. I think there's a period where Pip spends like eleven years in in Egypt and Cairo. Um, does I mean they just completely give up on the on the story. Really. Yeah. It's sort of like a, a a vague resemblance of. Well, that uh, Dickens. That that leads us on to to the alternative endings as well because Pip spends eleven years in Cairo makes a man of himself, comes back, and the two endings, he comes back, he's made himself a gentleman, a man, and he wants to marry Stella. Yeah. Uh, in the original Dickens ending, written in 1860, um, Estella still pies him off, he comes, pies him off! <laughs> Why have I said that? Uh, <laughs> are we keeping that in? Let's keep that in. <laughs> um, and uh, she is married to, to a uh, a fellow, <laughs> she is she is married to someone of of her perceived status um, in the original. Who is ending. who's named the same as the character that's in the series? Drummle. Drummle. Yeah. Um, ending two, written fourteen years later in eighteen seventy four, um, relates to Pip coming back and them actually getting married. Yeah. So that yeah. those those they, those have been the two written endings before. I thought the um sort of the canon ending the perceived ending was um she marries Drummle but then he does he die it's an abusive relationship and Pip, Pip returns to um Stasis house Stasis Stasis house enough house you know um and meets her again and she's a widow in the ruins yeah, yeah. And, then, and, and then they marry that, well, that, that I, is the, I think it's ambiguous that is they the, marry she said, he says right. we never got uh, there's no perceived time that they're going so, to separate us so that was sorry that was the alternative ending so the first oh, one written right. was he comes back and, she, and she's still married to someone else and he is single he remains single right. which I think is actually I mean now we're talking about how it's written but I think almost the the original ending where he comes back she's still married and he just remains single despite what he's done kind of says to the fact that no matter where he's came from you know he's, he's, he's come from nothing yeah he's 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 perceived to have been built up into something completely different something he's not and is still given and still receives that disappointment yeah at the end is is actually quite a appropriate way for that story to be written yeah and a, and a right. sad way and a and you know a, a kind of 
there's more way for Dickens to write the story but I actually like I pref- probably prefer that yeah I think I do too but, and to be fair <clears> the series kind of um, stayed true to that idea a little bit because he does walk away mm. from the story at the end but then he marries Biddy where but, the hell did but, that come but he from? marries Biddy who in the, the final episode <clears throat> makes this big thing about her being his option number two yeah and and he him trying to make up for that and and yeah and in the end he's he's, he's he almost settles for biddy instead of estella and estella in both previous endings both written endings is who he was longing for yeah so so they completely completely veered away from that and just Although cut to is... a scene of them getting married and dancing around in circles and weirdly it's like he he still because it, uh, he still wants Estella, <laughs> and um, yeah, he, he walks away from her because he realizes. Well, I don't know. I think the excuse that this this version of Pip made was that um, she was incapable of love and needed somebody, another reject of the human race, which is quite quite a dramatic line. Mm. Um, and then he walks away from her and marries Biddy. <laughs> but yeah. which, which I mean, I, I honestly would have preferred. I, I much preferred uh, the ending to have well sorry the, the the episode to have just ended there when he walked away from her yeah into the dark done yeah. leave it as that Stas' house burning in the background or something I don't know and just just leave it there and why on earth it then had to cut to this weird kind of like <laughs> hobbits in the shire style wedding <laughs> with Pippa and, um, yeah. and Biddy like uh, yeah don't know didn't, didn't work for me um, and, and all the characters kind of being squeezed in at the end at the wedding as well Jagger's well, dancing around yeah. with um, Estella uh, yeah they've they went for a different ending and I'm not really sure it, it hit the spot but I think you think of the whole series with and the amount of holes and issues it has and and the end, and the way they change the end, and almost doesn't really matter that much. It feels um, to me like they've someone's just come along and cut up this like the story of Great Expectations into little pieces, and then just rearranged them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like taking characters' relationships and just, you know it's just, they've just like messed around with it, mixed it up, and then just with no like idea to improve it, just to change it for the hell of it. Yeah, and then like remixed it and put it out. There, for me, there are, there are a couple of really key moments that at least a short series should have really honed down on in this. I think the first is the um, the growth of Pip's character, which, which you believe the series actually committed to. Um, and I would suggest if it wasn't for that one episode uh, where his brother vi- visits that I, I wouldn't really have felt that throughout the character's performance so I, I think that is vital to the story I also think the mystery behind the the secret thunder mm. should be drawn out over the ser- series and built up and and there should be more uncertainty towards that and the reveal that Magwitch is Estella's father wasn't bad. Yeah. But I also think, again, maybe because of the poor casting, that I could, I, you couldn't, you don't, there's nothing to feel there. 
you know there was that was a real key moment where you should yeah. where that would draw viewers in where Magwitch finally you know where Stella finally meets her father or oh, yeah. that is or that is subtly revealed in a way that shocks and um, I just yeah it just didn't it just didn't strike a nerve or yeah, got, this, got nothing a about this series a, struck a nerve or a chord I've got a sense of Shalom Brune Franklin as well like so wooden sorry just so just really not the portrayal of um, that character that I wanted uh, it was boring yeah it was and it that's, was that's so unforgivable especially when you know like you, your story's been written for you for God's sake like you, you're doing a remake <laughs> you're doing a uh, a reimagining of a of a classic piece of literature that's like is genuinely really entertaining <laughs> yeah so to get I mean to get it that wrong I guess the BBC is like kind of um, trying to keep going with the with the period drama thing um, and has wanted to I don't know I guess this, I guess they thought this was an easy an easy bet a safe bet but, yeah but then you know you mess around and, and, it, but, and, and this is work. the thing people will watch this people will have watched this whether they watch the whole series I'm not so sure because if we weren't reviewing this I definitely would not have watched the whole series yeah um, I probably would have stopped around halfway and and the f- fact that you can't get an audience to commit to six episodes I think is is pretty poor um, and that will reflect in some of the comments I read out quite shortly yeah. we do have some positive as well um, but we, <laughs> we do have some some really damning reviews from from users uh, of IMDB on the on this series shall we uh, should we just get to it let's Alright, I've got six reviews. I'll not read them all, but um, yeah, we'll try and flick flick between bad and good. So, a couple of good ones. Great adaptation. This classic was a, has been adapted so many times. There's no problem if they want to create a more mature version. They nailed the cast. Olivia Coleman and Ashley Thomas gave incredible performances. I also liked Fionn Whitehead as Pip. Hmm. Um, it didn't take much time to finish six episodes, and it was better than Knight's adaptation of Christmas Carol. Right, okay, so surely it took you six hours to finish six episodes, because they were an hour each. Um, and what do you mean by more mature, imagining? So I've got... Um, Not you. Some com- yeah, but, but because I've read a few comments, there is... The language used in this series hmm. is quite oh, different right. no, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to the language used in yeah, the Dickens. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so the Dickens novel is is almost family friendly in a sense. I mean, it's not though. Thematically, it's certainly not. Well, thematically, the it's happen, not. But I think, like, yeah, all right, there there's... are reviews here. People are offended by the language and the obscene language used in this series. But that's it. That's and that it's nothing to, to do of... with Dickens. That's that a, kind of language. Yeah, absolutely. But that's an attempt at modernizing the dialogue rather than it is making it more mature or appeal to an adult audience mm. Great Expectations was never written for kids yeah, well, do you know what I mean yeah. um, we all read it as kids <laughs> yeah that is true <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that did kind of bother me as well actually like it didn't stick out majorly because it was just it was I don't know the whole thing was so flawed the swearing didn't stand out as well yeah. oh this is this is really unbelievable because yeah. it was coming out of really bad actors as well so so here's your 
um, response, almost response to that nine out of ten rating that was. Wow. For this show, so this is one out of ten, a disgrace to Dickens. Yeah. Great expectations did not contain the foul language inserted by Hollywood. This series Hollywood. has disgraced <laughs> the, the Dickens name. I was actually looking forward to watching it, but turned it off just after a few minutes. I don't know if you can review a whole show. <laughs> After I have to turn minutes. it off after a few minutes. <laughs> this guy's condemned six episodes after a few minutes. There's also no this swearing is trash until episode the... three. <laughs> <laughs> this is trash at the very least. When you take a novel suitable for family reading what? and have modern foul language, you devalue TV entertainment. Maybe there's something in that, I guess. You, I mean, you've, I'm sure you've watched stuff before that's been adapted and it's had loads of swear words thrown in which I, I don't really think there was in that and loads of ridiculous language and it's kind of taken you out of the story before um, you think quite hard about that yeah maybe like <laughs> you know if Harry you know if Harry Potter started dropping F-bombs all over the place <laughs> you'd probably be like what's going on <laughs> yeah um, yeah that would be quite jarring I admit um and then this person sends for the Hulu app. I'm getting close to... So maybe <clears throat> they say Hollywood because they, they Cause think it was... Because it, it was on Hulu. And they think it was an American thing. Um, do yourself a favour and just read the books. Well, yeah. Fully. Yeah. I would 100% say that. But, like, that's if you're... You know, if you want to experience Great, great Expectations by Charles Dickens, like, yeah, read the book. Wasn't it, well, there wasn't exactly a movie adaptation like shortly after it was written. Was it? <laughs> <laughs> but um, the swearing thing is kind of interesting, to be fair. Like it, it, the more I think about it, the more out of place it does seem now. I don't think it stood stood out like when I was actually watching it because I think I was just finding the whole thing hard to stomach. But um, yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is. Why do that? It's like so. It's like watching Bridgerton. And there being like violinists playing Toxic by Britney Spears in the background. Like, yeah. That actually just, worked it, for me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really, really appreciate that. I mean, br- br- but maybe that's is... that doing it well, you know? Yeah. And not yeah, just yeah. throwing well, yeah, in yeah, yeah, the modern a, slang, you know? That's the thing, like, like, yeah, like you can like modernize pies. dialogue without swearing. Yeah. And you can, and you know, I'm not offended by swearing, and I think people that are pro, like, that's not you can't hone in on that as a reason to not like a whole series because of the language that they, that they use in it, especially if it's appropriate. However, I this is a rare case of swearing being used inappropriately. Mm. Like it just didn't it didn't fit. Not because it's modern language, but because it it just I don't know the whole thing wasn't bizarrely. It really feels to me like thinking back over the whole series as though the first few episodes with Tom Sweet were a different series completely. Yeah, like it. It was the the language used. I don't mean you know the strength of it. I mean the style of it was kind of more baroque and like less colloquial. Especially Pip's character himself. He's talking and you know quoting books and all that kind of thing. Like yeah, and I really enjoyed that. It it, it kind of created like this this atmosphere of well, I, I guess period drama, you know. But then they just sort of let go of that later yeah. on. Um. I, I don't know yeah but then you know as the swearing picked up like that's just one symptom or one you know like highlight of the whole thing sort of just breaking down in quality and believability yeah yeah <clears throat> I've got some more support for Stephen Knight and I'm then going to talk about some Stephen Knight work right okay. Okay. so another Stephen Knight masterpiece 
One of the great mysteries of today is why pedantic masochists who have read the book then watch a series, the Cryer series, whine pitifully because it's not in the book. It's not like the book. It's not, not, not. I love this version and applaud the great performances. It's like a Christmas Carol. So Stephen Knight also wrote, did a retelling of the Christmas Carol in a miniseries that was quite dark and mysterious. Um, yeah, fools who decry it whilst not even bothering to watch a whole episode do not deserve such quality programming. Wow. <laughs> and should retreat to their beloved book versions to avoid such disappointment at their own attention span. Great series, watch it. So he's, I mean, there's a lot wrong with that, isn't there? You can't call people that have read the book masochists and then, and then in the same comment say, accuse them of not having the attention span to get through the series. I mean, he's got a point with the whole, like, if you don't complain that it's not in the book, it's, you know, it's an original retelling. But in, in my head, why have you called this Great Expectations if it's not going to be true to the book? You're not doing a Great Expectations remake. You're doing a dark Victorian, Dickensian kind of drama, I guess, that's loosely based on Great Expectations mm. with all the characters like named the same and the themes sort of chucked in there but executed like more poorly than the than the novel because you've messed around with it and tried mm. to do something different and tried to modernize it in a way that does that has cheapened it um so why why call it great expectations you see taboo with tom hardy on ah let me stop you just there okay. <laughs> <laughs> so other stephen knight's masterpieces right Let's just start with Taboo. One okay. series it had in 2017. What yeah. were you about to say? Well, it's, it's been confirmed for a second, I thought. Well, so I had a little bit... I read into why they didn't just continue with Taboo instead of write right. Great Expectations. Okay. that was actually exactly what I was going to say. And, why not just continue and, that? And, so. Uh, so Tom Hardy had a child in 2019. All right. And Stephen Knight had explained that towards the end of 19, 2019, they were going to start looking at doing season two. Right. I'm assuming because of COVID coming in 2020 that they weren't able to do Taboo because there's been no other explanation right, after okay. that. <clears throat> so, but now we're here, Stephen Knight's written something else completely different. Not Well, not completely different, yeah. still, you know, similar time frames. Um, and yeah, I just think, well, actually, no, go back and write to continue with Taboo. Don't. Unless Tom Hardy really can't do it anymore. But Tom Hardy and his dad helped write Taboo with Stephen Knight. So maybe there's something going on there. But Yeah. He's shown, Stephen Knight has shown that he, can, he could write something like that. Good. Well, this is the thing. Like, St- Stephen Knight's style is, is pretty good. Like, I don't dislike it. But it's, it's the execution of it that doesn't always quite pan out. And I think this is a really, you know, he's obviously thought, right, well, I'm going to, you know, he's on a bit of a, I mean, generally his style is quite Dickensian in the sense that it's always sort of about, it's always in a, it's always in a Oh, there's more to say about his style. (laughs) Yeah, but you know, there's definitely There's more things coming. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) There's definitely a Dickensian aspect to to Stephen Knight's style of of cinematography and of, yeah, all that kind of thing, writing, I guess. Um, And Taboo is pretty cool. Like, it, it gets that right. There's, there's a, really kind of like mysterious tense kind of like horror aspect to it like mm. he, he turns that environment that kind of like victorian england like um 
in, into something quite creepy yeah. uh, and that's really cool and I can understand why he's then lent on the works of Dickens to, mm. like, to, to remake and incorporate that style into I haven't seen the, the Christmas Carol um, adaptation that he's done so I can't speak for that but I think with this Great Expectation series it's an example of a, like a, a particular style and an original work mixing and not working mm. it's cheapened both Mm. the style didn't wasn't consistent the sort of tone of it wasn't consistent because it was switching between what Dickens was trying to explore and it, like his themes and the sort of visual and atmospheric intentions of Stephen Knight and they did like basically those two ingredients didn't mix well they mm. cheapened each other yeah it took what was good about both away I mm. guess um yeah uh so yes, he wrote a Christmas Carol as well. Peaky Blinders. He is Mr. Peaky Blinders. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so he's just dropped massively in my estimation then. Which is why I said his style, your your um, praise of his style. I mean, it fits is though. Change. Well, it fits yeah, though because I mean, it's, stylistically, it's it's similar, isn't it? But I actually didn't. How do I not, how do I not know that? I mean, quickly, Peaky Blinders was good for two seasons. Out of five. Yeah, I mean, Peaky Blinders season one was pretty, pretty, pretty flawless, really. And season two was pretty good. Yeah. Season three had some standout moments that were almost better slowly, than. Yeah. And then it just went off a cliff after that. Yeah. Like, and any, any, any defense of any of any Peaky Blinders that came after yeah. season three, which is just completely missed. I mean, I stopped. I stopped mid season four and just knew I didn't need to go back. Um, the substance was slowly drained as the style was turned up and that last season of Peaky Blinders was like the epitome of all, all style no substance mm. like it's just stylistic sort of black and white ish shots so did you watch the last season? oh yeah I watched the whole lot I absolutely hated it <laughs> um, yeah like really really poor and I, I don't know I guess this conversation has made me has started to make me realise or form an opinion on Stephen Knight and perhaps he, he is the stylistic writer and director you know perhaps he's that like he's just all about style and all about mm. sort of um, atmosphere and he does that well but it's like he can't find a decent story to fit it with yeah. even Taboo which I which I like to fit is relatively weak on the sort of story side I, I think it's Taboo is carried by Tom yeah, Hardy very well yeah, yeah, and yeah. and and someone else casted on that it, I think it could be a different show do you know what I mean yeah oh 100% um, yeah. And, and, and there's a film that I actually watched very recently that Stephen Wright wrote the scre screenplay for it's called Burnt have you seen that uh, Bradley um, Cooper no I've heard really good things about that um, it was a good watch it was a good watch but the, the all style no substance thing then now starts to kind of seep into to my opinion on that film as well like oh, it, really? was, it was it was to the front of it, a, a, a decent film, maybe carried by a very good and um, you know very well thought of actor, um, <clears throat> but it was all you know it was about the a very very amazing head chef that had massive problem you know personal problems in his life and mm. and the, the the battle between being a five star Michelin chef and a and a raging alcoholic with gambling problems and drug problems and stuff like that um, right and uh, it almost the, the actual depth to his character in terms of the gambling and, and, and the drugs and stuff like that were almost 
they were kind of touched upon but not really looked at properly you know um but it, you know that's sometimes the way we're filmed you, you don't always get the the whole picture um I feel like it was, I mean, it was burnt decent. to me sounds like quite a, a radical step away from his usual mm. sort of oh, yeah. like style, I guess, or that usual area. Uh, I mean, given that it's American. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, it was set in London, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, maybe not then. But um, I don't know. I feel like Stephen Knight maybe should be should be directing music videos. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe maybe move towards that. I, like, I will say it's kind of the burnt. I, I saw Burnt after I saw Boiling Point. Ah, yeah, and that's and gonna yeah, because <laughs> Boiling Point was a mate like yeah. absolutely phenomenal uh, piece of work. Burnt was almost like let's say the Hollywood version of that. But yeah, it doesn't even anywhere Come near close. touch the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I need to watch Boiling Point. Just had a little look at what he's um what Stephen Knight's done and Lock was his twenty thirteen, which I actually loved. Oh really? Yeah, I loved Lock. Um. And that again just falls into place in my head. That makes so much sense that he's. I mean, so it's Tom Hardy. Um, so him and Tom Hardy have a good relationship. Well, yeah, I'm guessing Locke maybe gathering. was the beginning of that as well. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know. No, no, maybe they worked together before that. But um, it's it's entirely focused on Tom Hardy that movie because oh, he's right. the only actor. Yeah. Well, not the only actor, but he's the only actor on screen. Um, it's about a man driving. I don't know, he's on, a, he's on a journey. You don't know why he's on a journey. He's just in the car, he's driving at night. You get the occasional sort of like top-down shot of the car or whatever, like tracking shot or something, but most of the uh, most of the scenes are spent, you know, just or most of the shots or whatever, are just Tom Hardy's face driving a car. And he's on calls to different people, to his wife, to his kids, to his boss, whatever. Yeah. And like, have to watch through the calls, it, it, like the, the tension is revealed. And, and well, I guess the story, like why he's on that journey and, and what the stakes are. Um, and again, it's one like I lo- I liked it because it was experimental. Um, I love the kind of idea of small spaces in movies, but that's, that's another conversation for another time. Um, and I know it was entirely original. Like just this one guy in a car, and you just listen to his conversations on the phone, and like all of, you know, you're inferring so much. And like, yeah, it's I thought that worked really, really well. Although I will say, slightly weak on the on the plot side of things. Mm. Which, which you can forgive because it's you know told from the perspective of a man in his car on the phone like um, so it didn't it didn't strike me as a problem because it's an experimental piece but maybe but I am sort of like noticing now trends. there's a trend yeah like it's Where it's as though he's, his stories lack yeah he's got his experimental um, atmospheric but maybe not strong in terms of story and that's again like that I see that I feel like is a criticism I'm making every week on this podcast <laughs> it's, yeah. like it's always just like where's the decent story where's the original yeah. idea like why aren't you why is no one writing anything yeah it's just like oh put together a script based loosely on great expectations oh do you remember those Mario games put together a script based on them do you yeah. know what I mean like no one's no one's writing a script as an art form anymore it feels like anyway I would actually say maybe Locke was an example of that but yeah, not all hate for Stephen Knight though. So, a few more comments. Right. Some controversial, actually. Well, I think they're quite controversial. Um, but this, this comment, I'm not re- this. I'm not including this one. But I just want to read something that you will absolutely disagree with. Okay. So this was a one out of ten, and it was beyond appalling. But this person does say. 
Great works of art exist as the artist intended. Uh-huh. It is not for anyone to affect great change over the words, the plot, or the characters, even if Dickens' novel is the source material. That's a radical misunderstanding of art as a whole, not even just cinema or, or writing. Or that's, I mean, what what on earth do you mean? Um, go and look at the Mona Lisa. And, well, okay, that's a bad example. But go and look at go and look at a you know super famous painting any kind of abstract work or any fine art or whatever the hell you want and and tell me that you've experienced it exactly the same way as the person standing next to you has how are you ever going to quantify that idea how are you ever going to agree or disagree you know what i mean like it's 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 not how it works and the feelings that writing or, or a piece of cinema inspires in you are going to be different to the next viewer or whatever and therefore undoubtedly different from the writer mm. You know, you can explore themes and, and, and have intentions, but they're not always going to hit exactly. Mm. And, that, and then there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's the point. Yeah. So uh, it's I, interesting that uh, a reviewer has is that as that's their interpretation of of what art is supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, you must hate this this individual, this 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 uh, writer of this review must hate like absolutely any kind of adaptation or remake or anything like that Mm. um you can't you can affect change you can you know if it's done well it's fine yeah i can't think of an example off the top of my head but i'm sure that there's examples of a modern version of a of a story that works really well yeah you know like the fact great expectations has been dramatized so many times yeah there is a modern there is there is a version of it where it's actually been brought to the modern day to like you know present day yeah with Gwyneth paltrow and um Oh, is that the guy? Ethan Hawke. Um, I've not seen it, but that's like set in present day. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. So, you know, like there's this, you must hate that. If that's the <laughs> um, so, controversial time. BBC rewriting Dickens 1 out of 10. This isn't brave or challenging. It's just completely wrong. It's been adapted to fit the current agenda where everyone must be represented even though they weren't in those times. Oh, shut up. And certainly <laughs> aren't in the book. Someone watching this as a historical drama will get a completely fake idea of the times and what Charles Dickens wrote. Is this what the BBC have sank to, trying to rewrite history to make it more inclusive? Every previous adaptation is superior to this nonsense, which is maybe right, which of course, <laughs> David Lean's film version being the best. So, if you watching this and you didn't mind this version of Great Expectations, maybe go and watch the David Lean's film. I dread to think what adaptation the BBC will treat us to next. Before you come in, mm-hmm. here's the 9 out of 10 and the headline. Whole lot of people offended by swears and black people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that's, yeah, I'm with that. Purists <laughs> are the worst critics. Having read the book, I'm greatly enjoying the adaptation. And I'm not so greatly offended by the curse words. Diverse casting. Seriously, who cares? Why does seeing black people in your white roles bother you so much? Be honest. So far, I think the acting has been wonderful. The story easy to follow and pay some point. So, so I mean, you know, not so much for the rest of... The, I don't really agree with the rest of their comment. But the what comes to mind, again, is... How Hermione is going to be portrayed in the Harry Potter series. Or Dumbledore. And also, (laughs) the absolute battering that 
Black Annie character got when Annie was remade? I don't know. Um, I mean, there was an outlash. Really? Annie can't be black. So... Why, why not? Why? Surely, if anyone, that actually does make sense. Well... Like, you know, there's no... She's a ginger, you know, she's a ginger white girl with loads of freckles. She can't be black. I thought she was blonde. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, like, th- that's one that just has no bearing, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, doesn't, she's, um, she's just a sort of, like, nondescript orphan, right? I'm not that familiar with Annie. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I know in the original film she's that ginger... Yeah, woman, yeah, fine. Um, and then in, in the remake, re- which was a bad remake, to be fair. An awful remake, but I think the headline was "Why is she black?" I think we've come a long way from that because there was yeah. out proper outrage, um, and and that's not necessarily happened. I don't think that strongly I think, since. I think there's a there's a tight. I mean, I don't agree with it. You wait until there's a black James Bond. I tell you. I think yeah. I mean that that. But that's been rumored for for ages. So maybe people are used to it by now. But. I think um, not that I agree with it, but I think there's there's. Mm, more stock in the argument against black portrayals of historical characters i.e. like this um, Jaggers in Great Expectations you know like the, the, the book was written yeah I don't know or set in the um, early sort of Victorian era isn't it like yeah. there's not going to be a black gentleman rolling around London at that time yeah. it's, it's extremely unlikely yeah um, and so in if so from looking at it through the lens of sort of historical accuracy, I understand the criticism. That um, does not apply. That's why I'm confused about Annie, because it's not a work of historical whatever. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's just a character in your mind. That's it. Um, so if, you, if you're viewing it for, through the lens of historical, you know, or, or you're, you're watching this for historical accuracy, then yeah, you're going to be upset. But my question to you would be, why are you watching this for historical accuracy like the, so the the person writing that review mentioned you know if, if somebody watching this would get a, a false idea of what Victorian England looked like well, yeah because it's not a documentary and it's not a it's not a historical study it's a piece of drama yeah it's a like so why if it's not obliged to be real or what, what, whatever it's but it's allowed to be creative and yeah little side note actually I thought Jaggers was the best character and, yeah. and the best actor as well. Um, I thought he, he that was a really original take on that character. Um, and he was powerful mm-hmm. on screen and quite scary, intimidating, yeah. unbelievable, and cool. And I enjoyed the scenes with Jaggers and I think sort so. of like, you know, uh, training Pip to be to abandon his morals. Like, I thought that was quite, yeah, I yeah. thought that was good. Um, he, he did, I will say, it did seem like he took a lot from Tom Hardy's role in Taboo sort of like the same guy almost yeah and and uh, and, and that all kind of tracks with you know Stephen Knight being yeah, writer yeah, on that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and I, I think I can agree uh, for sure that that maybe that's a, a, a bright light in this mm. dim, <laughs> dim 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 series I don't, yeah I mean the actor that played Jaggers was, was quite good I'll find his name to give it a shout um, mm. Ashley Thomas was his name yeah and yeah, he killed it. Yeah. As did uh, Olivia Coleman. I Which... thought that was a really cool uh, portrayal of um yeah. However, it like yeah, I know what you're gonna say. She's in everything now, Olivia Coleman. She she been she has been, the same role now, she has been away that. for a couple of years. Um but there was a period of time where I was every time I watched a show, Olivia Coleman was in it. Yeah. 
Um, to be fair, I was watching Peep Show alongside a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. but well, like, I can't actually see her as anything but uh, Sophie. Yeah. Like, all the time, um, like, there's a, you know, it's like every line she delivers is a little bit Sophie-esque. Mm. And it makes me laugh. Like, <laughs> but she, I mean, she won an Academy Award for playing Queen Victoria, so I'm almost not surprised that now she just gets cast as a yeah. particular character. Um, she is brilliant. Yeah. I love Olivia Colman. Yeah, I think she yeah. can do no wrong. Like, I mean... I've not seen that movie about her on the road with the the anti-abortion propaganda thing. And there's one I want to see. The, the, <laughs> but that's bad. There's right? one I want to see called The Father. That um, could be the same movie. No, so no? that's about um, a, basically this woman's father um, is like in a flat. He's getting dementia. She's trying to look oh, after him. Oh yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins. Um, are in that together and I haven't seen it always wanted to see it but I think that should that will probably be really good um, mm. and but yeah so she she has had a bit massive 10 years or something she's been in so much especially like you know British drama as well which I think is really nice you know coming back to do these British shows even though she's kind of made it big time yeah, kind yeah, of thing yeah. um, she, there's a lot of like six episode things she's done uh, in this country I, th- I think that's pretty admirable that she keeps coming back to do this kind of work but mm-hmm. um, sure. surprised she put a name to this I think I think if you get the opportunity to play Miss Havisham you know what I mean like you'd do it mm. you would wouldn't you you know like uh, I can't really criticise any of the um, the actors for taking the part because yeah. you've seen you know Stephen and, and he's I. got a bit of a track record for popular stuff yeah 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 you've seen like Stephen Stephen Knight you know he's, he's accomplished he's respected um and then you're doing great expectations like yeah I'd, I'd, I'd have jumped to that chance yeah. but um you know you maybe look back on it and think oh dear <laughs> well I don't know it, was, I mean, it wasn't that bad it, it tried something new and it, and, it, and it missed yeah you know and I in my head I would rather another sort of Stephen Knight another kind of like um taboo-esque thing like just an original work mm. put the same actors in it they can all carry it if it, if it doesn't like yeah the plot's not strong or whatever but like hopefully maybe you could write good strong original plot yeah like like taboo yeah it wasn't that strong it was original it was was good yeah yeah but this i think this is what we're saying about Stephen knight now like there's a lot of originality and i I commend that but it's there's kind of a theme of like the story's not always being that engaging yeah the whole thing with not the sound and um taboo it was it was clever but it was like not I don't know. It's not like I can't wait for the next episode. It's more atmospheric than it is deep. Yeah. Um, it's more style than substance. And yeah. I think that's the, that's the problem throughout. Um, so what are you going to rate it then? Uh, it's not going to be high from me. I will say that. It's like I hate you know you know my problems with this rating system. I'm going to give it a six because oh my God. it tried to, <laughs> it tried. You know, I'm going to give it a six for trying, really. I cannot believe, and this is me being biased, you rated this the same as The Mandalorian. I, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so shocked you hit your head. Um, a six. Uh, I'd actually forgotten why I'd rated The Mandalorian. Yeah, but for, this is why I, I don't like this this kind of arbitrary I know you, number that you I'm giving. You can't, yeah. But like, I can. I'm, I'm comparing give, <laughs> what you've just said. I've given those two... Nicely. Yeah, I've given them both the same number, but for entirely different reasons. Uh, you know well, yeah, it's a cause for conversation. I'm going to give it, like, uh, four. I was so bored. 
Four for me. 100%. That is the other. Yeah, but then I was so bored watching The Mandalorian as well. So like, especially that third. Yeah, season. it's in the books. You can't change your rating. In the I know. I'm not. Eight out of ten. That show. No, for me, this this. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> re- I didn't really like. <clears throat> I hate it when when a story's not really. You know, if you're gonna do a story, if you're gonna remake a story already written for you, really go for it. Uh, yeah, I didn't like. Yeah. I wasn't happy with that. A lot of the characters were bad. I was disappointed when the young Pip and the young Estella were replaced. Yeah, an episode and a half in. Yeah. Um, and I don't. I just. I just didn't. And I just didn't think it was very good. And that's it. I yeah. mean, um, I think okay. I'm, I'll revise to a five then, because I think you are right. Like it being boring mm. is is damage. Also, knowing that he wrote Taboo, I really liked Taboo. Yeah. Um. And I really liked early Peaky Blinders, and so I feel like I know he can do better. Yeah. Um, yeah. But still, in isolation, this wasn't good, and that's that's the end for me. Mm. Five out of ten. Function? No, not even functional. Five. Five for effort. <laughs> <laughs> it was a show. 